When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Curious is the nothing personal word of the day. Good morning. It is Monday, November 28th, 2022. Welcome to Nothing Personal, and the word is curious. Curious is when you are eager to know or learn something. I'm curious. What brand of clothes are you wearing? Hey, I'm just curious. How many stars are in the sky? Hey, I'm just curious. How do they make sunglasses? Jerry Jones is the owner and general manager of the Dallas Cowboys, a frequent contributor to Nothing Personal. And yesterday, part of Danny Boy's dirt surfaced. Now, we don't know for sure whether Daniel Snyder is the one who leaked this photo, but the old flag-burning photo of the president's girlfriend has surfaced. If you know the reference, you know. If you don't, you don't. There's a picture from a long time ago. I mean, like 19, let's call it maybe 57. There's a picture of Jerry Jones when he's 14 years old, and he's at a protest. And what is happening at the protest is that in Arkansas, the hotbed of tolerance, there was integration happening. All while the civil rights movement was a beginning to happen, or I guess it was always beginning to happen, but it never happened, then it did happen, and then you were trying to make it happen, and then you had a bunch of white kids standing in front of a bunch of black kids saying, hey, don't come in here. Can you imagine, just for a second, I can't, I can't even imagine it, but I'm wondering if anyone can, what that is like. Not being allowed to do something. I, you know, I was told the way I grew up, right? It's the special white Jewish privilege. It's that, hey, in that country club, no Jews are allowed. They would call it the NJA country club, no Jews allowed. And I, it, it didn't, when I was young, I didn't have a thought about it because it didn't impact my life. I would think that is so strange. Why are they so prejudiced? What's the difference? And then I would be told about clubs that would start that were just Jews because they had nowhere else to play. And you hear, you read during Passover or you, when you go to temple, you hear about all of the discrimination and persecution and the Holocaust and everything else that you learn about. And then you start learning in school about other things that have happened because you're not born knowing and then your parents teach you and then you learn more in school. 
never would it have occurred to me to have a colored water fountain for colored people, right? That's not something you're born with. I don't know. You're not born with thinking that people need two different types of water fountains. It has to be taught to you. And then you have to take in the lesson and say, yeah, that makes sense. No one who goes to school says, man, it's a good thing there's only white people here. It didn't occur to me that there should be anyone else other than white people here. That is something that has to come from your parents, or your teachers, or your government, because it sure as hell doesn't come from your newly formed brain. So Jerry Jones, how someone found this, I guess it was in someone's archives. Maybe the private investigators hired by Danny Snyder found it. There is no proof that the Washington Red Commanders and their owner released this photo. That is not what I'm saying at all. But it certainly seems like dirty stuff that he said he had. A little late there, isn't it, Danny? So what's everyone's view of your owner being seen in a photo like that? Well, it required Jerry Jones to immediately respond once he saw the photo had been leaked. It's not as though he could claim plausible deniability. He couldn't say, hey, that's not me. That's easy to figure out. So that's past the checklist. The number one objection when you are accused of doing something is you wanna say, hey, that wasn't me. Everyone defaults to that. Then you have to go to number two. Hey, that was me but I didn't know what was happening. That's number two. Number three, that was me. I did know what was happening, but I didn't agree with it. And that's why I was there. So you keep going down the list of explanations because you certainly can't say, hey, that was me and I knew what it was and I meant to be there for the reason that you are all objecting to. So Jerry Jones had to come out with an immediate quote, just separated himself from it, right? And he used the word, which is interesting. I don't know that I or anybody anticipated or had a background of knowing what was involved. It was more a curious thing. Curious word of the day, reminder what it means to be curious when you're eager to know or learn something. So does that mean that when you're passing by and you see a bunch of angry white people standing in a line, making sure that black students don't come forward or that black students don't get where they're supposed to get to. And you're saying to yourself, huh, I wonder what that is. That must be intellectual discourse and I wanna be a part of it. There must be a great debate over the theory of relativity. It sure as hell can't be about the white angry people not wanting the black people to be near them or learn near them or be where they're not supposed to be, can it? I'm just curious, let me go ask. So when you're curious about something, what do you do? You learn, you ask, hey, what is this? Do you ask after you have been standing there? Do you try to figure it out yourselves like a crossword puzzle, like a big puzzle on Survivor where you have to figure it out yourself or today's Wordle? Hey, I'm gonna stand here, I'm just gonna look around and listen. Let me see if I can figure out what's happening. Nope, can't come up with it. Let me step a little closer. I'm gonna ask someone else, someone right in the fray, excuse me, sorry to bother you in the middle of a fight, but what are you fighting over? Do you ever do that when you see people fighting on the street or you see a couple fighting who you don't know? 
You don't do it with your parents, of course. But if you see someone else fighting, do you walk right up and say, sorry, quick question. I was just curious. What are you all fighting about? Now, there is a time when you can be curious when everyone is standing there looking skyward. Hey, just curious. What are you all looking at? That's a good one. And then if it's something bad, you can say, oh, I don't want to see that. Hey, we're all looking at that accident victim. Hey, we're all looking at waiting for a shooting star or we're waiting for Armageddon or Deep Impact, the tsunami to come. Oh, I think I'll go the other way. For you to be curious about something, there has to be an end game. How long was Jerry Jones curious before he decided, hey, I'm not sure I should be here? Was it after he found out what was happening? Because he certainly wasn't far enough back that he couldn't see where the front line was if you look at the photo. I'm not buying it. I'm not buying it during that day and age in that place that you go up to a situation like that because you have no idea what's involved and you're just curious. It's not like everybody from the old age is saying, wow, are those wheels? What do those do? I've heard about them, but I'm just curious. What do they do and how do they do it? Crikeys. So what do you do? You're the NFL. You see this picture. You saw what the NFL's reaction was. Did you? Because I didn't. They're so quick to come out with statements. But when it comes to Jerry Jones, they got to tread carefully, work with him, figure out what the response is, allow Jerry Jones to respond and see whether or not the story has legs. Hey, Jerry, just say you had no idea what it was and just move on. What happens if you don't move on? So do you feel as though that you should be held responsible for the actions you take as a child. And what are the examples when you are versus when you're not and who gets to decide? Who is the judge and jury that Josh Hader, the great reliever for the Milwaukee Brewers who was then traded to the San Diego Padres, that at the All-Star game, his first All-Star game, old tweets were found that were racist in nature and he got to say, man, I'm an idiot. I am so sorry. And then people just move on. But if you're Kevin Hart and you're going to host the Oscars and they find some questionable things you've said in the past, you have to say, man, not only am I sorry, but I'm going to withdraw from this honor. You didn't see Josh Hader hanging up his all-star jersey. What's the difference? How many of you can withstand the scrutiny of your childhood? Raise your hand. Raise it. Wow, I'm looking right into a camera. I'm looking at lots of people. Thank you for that, by the way. And guess what? I better not see one hand. There is not one person here who can go Albert Brooks defending your lifestyle and go through every single moment of your life and say, I'm on the right side of this moment. I was my best self in this moment. So who gets punished and who doesn't? Does it depend on skin color? White people who do bad things can get away with it. Black people who do bad things can't get away with it. Shouldn't it have to do with our age and how developed our brains are? What about parents? Are our parents responsible for our actions because they teach us discrimination, prejudice? Hey, we had no chance. Look at the house I grew in, I grew up in. There were white hoods everywhere. 
I was taught to hate. Is that why teachers in Florida can only teach certain things? Because we have to make sure the kids only learn certain things. So then who is the judge and jury and the arbiter about what we are taught? Ah, leave that in the home. Ah, don't discuss that in the home. Oh, that should only be discussed in the home. These are complicated issues. And the reason they're complicated is because of the ripple effect of a decision gone wrong. And the ripple effect is what we feel every single day in our country and in our world. The ripple effect is the generational wars, the generational hatred, the generational discrimination. Anything that's generational by definition means that but for it being passed on, it would have become extinct. How do you make hate extinct? The absence of it. That's why we always hear about choose love, right? In the 60s, you smoke some grass. People don't call it anymore that. Cocoa, they don't call it that. That, that made me old, didn't it? You smoke some ganja. You put on a rainbow, some tie-dye clothes, get naked and just start hugging, right? Modern day Molly, I guess. But that's one way. Choose love. Choose peace. And the people who don't want to choose that are the same ones who look at those people and say, ah, it must be nice for them living in their perch. They don't know the facts. They don't understand why we have to fight. They don't understand why we can't have the takeover of other races, why the white Aryan race has to be the predominant race. It's just incredible. So I have an idea. I was thinking about the Jerry Jones thing. What could Jerry Jones do? They're not going to force him to sell a team. They're not going to admonish him. They're not going to fine him. They're not going to suspend him. They are not going to in any way punish him for what he did when he was a, a teenager. Not going to happen. What about Jerry Jones doing something? I was wondering whether he wanted to start, and it's hard to start a foundation or a thick tank, think tank, but there are some that exist that he could then finance or be a part of. And I'm not blaming him because he's rich. I'm saying help in whatever capacity you can, whether it's a dollar, a million dollars, or a billion dollars. You help in the manner in which you can help. That's the whole concept of tithing. Is it tithing in the church where it's 10%, whether you make 20 grand or $200 million or 5%, or maybe I'm thinking Scientology or Joel Osteen. I can't remember. Whatever I'm thinking, it's one of those. So what if Jerry Jones took some money that he had and used this picture and embraced it and said, listen, at that time, at that age, I didn't know better. I'm going to make sure that that never happens again by making sure that people at that age start being educated before that age to understand why discrimination has no place in society because it's not necessary. No one is impacting your ability to live the American dream. No one is taking your job. No one, maybe machines, but certainly not people of color. And then you're just spread out in the workplace in a different place, different area. Learn how to work the machine. I think that's what Jerry Jones is gonna do. When you have a player who dies, it's complicated. And the reason it's complicated is that you have to get through the immediacy. I'm talking about a current player. And I speak of this because I know about it. This is not speculation. You have to take care of things in the short, medium, and long term. Short term, you're trying to figure out what you're doing about 
a game day, if it happens on a game day, what you're doing about a funeral, what you're doing about what's who's going to be honored on the on the jersey, what the patch is going to look like, sort of mundane stuff. Then as time passes, the midterm is, what are we going to do to make sure that people don't forget him? And long-term, him or her, or them, and long-term is, do we want people who do not know who this player is to ever know who this player was? You can do that through retiring a number, but the ultimate way, if you go around the world into different buildings, not just here, but really outside the United States, if you go to different stadia, there are sculptures outside and there are plaques where you can look up and say, oh, this is Willie Mace. Oh, this is George Washington, if you're in Central Park. I don't think he's in Central Park. You know what I'm saying. A statue is not a sculpture. People interchange those, let me be clear so we understand the difference. A statue is a figure of a a person. A sculpture is a piece of art of either abstract, though it can be the Michelangelo, that is a sculpture, but if the Michelangelo or the David was made after a real person and was a likeness, then that becomes a statue. When you're running around Central Park or when you go to the downtown square of where you live and you see something honoring war veterans and it's the general who carried people into battle, blah, blah, that is a statue. In Central Park, Fred LeBeau, LeBeau, the runner, that's a statue. So the Washington commanders had to figure out what to do about the death of a player they had 15 years ago, a guy named Sean Taylor. Sean Taylor passed away, and it was quite sudden given the fact that he was killed, wasn't he, Coca? And the question is, how do you honor him? And the answer was, they are going to do a statue. And people thought that that was a good thing to do, right? He was murdered in his, there was like a home invasion and he got murdered. He had an 18 year old, 18 month old daughter at the time. And the commander said, all right, let's do a permanent statue of Sean Taylor. Now, the commanders have had their issues as very well documented on nothing personal. Danny Snyder is selling the team because he's forced to sell. They've had missteps all along the way, both on and off the field, though. On the field, they're playing much better right now. It's like the players are relieved that the owner finally is going to sell. But there is this this black cloud that hangs over the commanders that every decision they make is wrong. And when you know you've got that cloud because you're paying attention to social media, you're paying attention to what critics are saying, you try to sit down and make decisions that are thought out and explainable and rational. They tried to honor a player, remember last season, and they forgot to tell the player's family until like two days before, and then they couldn't get the family there in time, and it was a whole big deal. That could have even been Sean Taylor, by the way. It was Sean Taylor. And then they say, don't worry, we're gonna do a statue. We're gonna permanently make sure that he is remembered. So yesterday it got unveiled. If you... Do one thing today, other than call your parents if you have them and tell them you love them. If you do one thing today, go Google the Sean Taylor statue as unveiled at FedEx Field. 
it's not a statue. It's not a sculpture. It sort of is a sculpture, but I'm calling it a mannequin. It's the craziest thing I've ever seen. It's got a 21 jersey, he wore number 21, but it's it looks like a, a, um, a display at a merchandise store. It looks like they're trying to sell his helmet and a jersey and pants because it's a stick figure, a metal figure. There's no face, no bone, no skin, no skin color, no defining features other than his number. But if you don't know what the Sean Taylor wore 21, then you'd have no idea. So the way this got designed is you do an RFP. A request for proposal is when you send out to local artists or artists that the owner knows, and you say, we are looking to honor Sean Taylor. Here's some pictures that I'd like you to consider when you're putting together the sculpture. Let's negotiate what a price will be, how many maquettes you're gonna do so we can give to the family and maybe give to a few fans. Maquettes are small, small additions of a sculpture of, of a statue. Then we're gonna get design approval upon first draft. So before we cast anything, we are gonna see the artist's renderings, the drawings, the studies for what this statue is going to look like. So the commanders get an email one day or they get a, a negative or something where they say, all right, we're ready, the artist said. I'm ready for you to see what the Sean Taylor statue is gonna look like. You press click, you open it, and you say, what in the hell is that? There is no way for fans to identify with who that is, what that is. We're looking for a bronze sculpture. But that's a statue, Danny. Sorry, we're looking for a bronze statue. Here's a picture. Here's what I want it to look like. But you know, there are people who get in trouble, like in the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame and in the NFL Hall of Fame. And we do we do bronze faces, bronze, and, and, and they don't look like the players sometimes. And then we get criticized for that. Why don't we just do it so there's no face at all, then we can't get criticized. Can you imagine this discussion taking place between the artist and the team? Where was Jason Wright? Where was Ron Rivera? The two guys who were supposed to be saving the commanders from themselves. Do they get overruled? Because then I want to leak. If you're a team president and you get overruled like that by your owner, you're leaking how this went down. If you're Ron Rivera and you're coaching and you're the face of this newly formed, no more discrimination, we are a good front office, we don't do sex stuff, we're good. If you're the face of that, I'm leaking what the hell happened here. Because all this is is a total pile on where people look at it and say, how can the level of incompetence be so deep on so many layers? in this organization. And if it's just an OP owner's prerogative, then it's gotta get leaked out by sections below, layers below saying, hey, this was all Danny. Then what do you do? What does the new owner do when the new owner inherits this? I'll bet you dollars to a big jelly donut that this thing that was unveiled yesterday is not there two years from now. A new owner's gonna come in and say, hey, we're gonna put that in the merch store and we are gonna commission an actual statue of Sean Taylor. That's one way to go. You can go the Jeter way and say, hey, I know there was gonna be a statue of Jose Fernandez, but we're not doing it. We don't want him remembered because he did drugs. Could go that way too. The way they can't go, new owner, for sure, existing front office, hard to imagine, is allowing this thing to stand. <laughs> it's so good. 
How do you get that wrong when there's so many levels of approval? Do you ever watch a movie or a commercial and or see an ad in a paper, let's say, and say, how does this get approved? What am I missing? Because there's layers of improvement. There's layers of approval, I should say. I don't know. I don't know how that got approved. It's not going to be there long, I'll tell you that. All right, we come back. We're going to review the last season of Dead to Me. And then I'm going to try to explain for one final time. It won't be the final time because this show is going to keep going. But yet another example of owners who buy high and sell low and want you as fans to say, aren't you proud of me for signing players? We'll be right back. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step -step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. My name's David Sampson. Hope you had a good Thanksgiving weekend. Everyone recover. I don't know if you say, I say happy Thanksgiving. It's a good touch point. It's a good way to reach out to contacts, good way to reach out to people you love. Just to say, hey, hope you're having a good day, thinking about you. Always the tension though, right? When you're with family for Thanksgiving, when you have to keep a list of the drama that happens. Oh, my family has no drama. Yeah, it does. Believe me, there's shit talking going on behind your back just like everybody else. Man, can you believe that stuff? And it was so dense. Those potatoes were dry. And by the way, did you see what he was wearing? What about, God, it's so inappropriate. <laughs> Everyone does that. It's totally normal. If you think your family is the only family that's screwed up, I promise you, you are not alone. As a matter of fact, you are ordinary. So I still watch a movie or TV show every day, review one for you every day. I discovered very late a series called Dead to Me and I reviewed season two a while ago. It came out a while ago and I watched it not as it was out. It had been out for a long time and I watched the first two seasons and binged the first two seasons. Christina Applegate, I've known since she was, first time I saw her was as a little girl on Married with Children with Al, the Bundy children. The guy, you may know him as Modern Family, uh, Ed O'Neill, but I know him from Married with children. And uh, she's in this TV show, which is about two women who have suffered tragedies. They meet at a grief support group. And then what happens is they become besties 
and they end up in it all the time. Like there's just stuff going on in their lives that is just close enough that it could happen to just unbelievable enough where you say, thank God it doesn't happen to me. That is such a tough line to draw. So they decided to do a third and final season and halfway through this final season, Christina Applegate got sick. You may not have read about this, but she was diagnosed with MS, is suffering from the bad kind of MS. There's no good kind of MS, but there's episodic MS where it can flare up. When it's not flared up, you're okay. My uncle has that, and he, when it flares up, he has a very hard time. When it doesn't, fully functioning. But the other kind of MS is just a deteriorative, definitely not a word, a, a, a disease that is bad. You get worse every day. And you, there's no way to turn it around. So Christina Applegate has that. She has a hard time walking now. The medicine that she's taking has made her gain a ton of weight. And she's self-conscious about that, which she should be. She looks beautiful. She is beautiful. And she can act. But she's in an amount of pain emotionally and physically that I can't understand. They took five months off in the middle of filming the season when she got the diagnosis so she could figure out, do I want to act again? Can I act again? What do I do with this story? And thank God for Linda Cardellini because they are best friends off the screen and on the screen. And Linda helped Christina through it. You can see a little bit throughout the third season, a little bit of her sort of leaning. They gave her a a neck brace and they gave her a, a cane to walk with sometimes. But the season three, it was one season too many. And I, it's, I have to give you my honest review because that is what we do here. We are brutally honest to the point of night sweats. It's not as good as the first two seasons, but I enjoyed it as a pity watch. And that's not what Christina would have wanted. She wouldn't have wanted you to watch her final season the way they tie it up. It was emotional for sure, but it was emotional because A, you knew it was ending and B, you knew that she was sick. But absent those two things, you would say, wow, that was a crappy season. So what do you do? You watch it. You watch it to honor the work she did. You watch it to honor the time that she was willing to put in with how crappy she felt off screen. If you haven't watched the series at all, the first two seasons will knock your socks off. That's how good they are. And all you have to do in return to thank them is watch season three. All right, let's talk about what's going on in Arizona. And I don't mean the Coyotes. I don't mean they're playing in that high school gym. NHL played in a high school gym. That's really something. I'm talking about the Arizona Cardinals, the football team. One thing that I could never get through during the course of my career with the team was how do I come to grips with knowing that in order to satisfy fans, I have to do something that has a smaller likelihood of succeeding than if I did it the way I wanted to do it. But if I do it the way I wanted to do it and it fails, which happens as well, then you're in an even worse position because if you're going to fail, you might as well do it the way the public wants you to do it because it's going to fail. The reason why you don't do that is that makes you a bad executive. But what is it about owners where they spend their entire life accruing money and the way you accrue money is by buy low and sell high? Folks, that's not just the stock market. That's everything. Everything you're buying for an investment, you want to buy at the lowest price possible and then sell it at the highest price possible. Sometimes you want to keep something in your collection so you don't sell it. 
Sometimes you know it's going to go up and it's going to go down and you hold on. What about those of you who like to market time? Are you good at that? Do you like day trading and trying to figure out whether or not you're getting in at the low and then selling right when it goes up a little bit and then it goes up more? Are you the type of person who looks at every investment after you've sold to see where it is? It's like trading a player in fantasy and following that player even though he's not on your team. Not me. When we traded a player, we're done with him. That's what we said publicly. I've told you about my list. You're damn right I had a list. I had a list of every player we traded who was in the big leagues and I followed every single one of them. I always said I didn't. That was back when I wanted you to think that I was this sort of strong leader executive. I'm always right. When we make trades, we're never going to admit that we made a mistake. But deep down, it would eat like an acidic hole inside me when a player who we thought wouldn't be good would become good. You think I was happy to watch Luis Castillo become a number one starter for the Mariners after the trade deadline? Really? No. I wanted to give up eight runs a game and get released. So last year, the Cardinals have a good year, right? And then we had that whole Jamal Murray. Remember that situation? That's not who his name is, though. He's the guy who plays for the Denver Nuggets. And uh, he was the one who was hurt. Their quarterback. Why am I blanking, Coca? It is Murray, but I'm just forgetting what his first name is. And uh, Kyler, thank you. Oh, God. So... Kyler Murray had that whole problem during the offseason, remember? When were they going to sign? He wasn't going to play with them. Then they were going to make an offer. Then they didn't make an offer because Deshaun Watson got signed. Then there was collusion because no one was getting money more than Deshaun Watson, who, by the way, I think is coming back next week. Side note. Sorry, Jacoby, you're benched. So all of this is happening. And then finally the Cardinals say, you know what? We're going to give you that same deal as Deshaun Watson get. We're giving you the $230 million, But remember, they only guaranteed like 189 and a half of it. Whereas Watson got all 230 guaranteed, but everyone was so happy. We've signed, and that was what their coach was saying, Kingsbury and their GM, Steve Keim. They were like, hey, we, we got this. We've got our franchise quarterback. And the owner was so happy with the results of the team that he actually signed the GM and the coach. Remember that? I've been there, man, when it feels so good. You've had such a good year that was unexpected. And you're like, we're going to keep these people around forever. Let's sign them for five years each. Let's go full Dan Campbell, the coach of the Lions, and then realize, oh, wow, he'll never last. Let's go full Matt Rule. The guy will be in Nebraska and still getting paid by us. It's absurd. But we all do it. And the reason we do it is this. When something goes right on your team that you did not think was going to go right, but you hoped it was going to go right, and then it does go right, you change that verb from I hoped to I knew. And when you know something, you double down on what you know and you make it even bigger. I knew the Kingsbury and Kime would be the right coach-GM combination, and we're going to keep them because we're lucky to have them. The fact is, they thought it when they hired him. They didn't know it until they had that one good season. And then they went from thought to know and then do the extensions. And now what? Now they're four and eight. And all of a sudden, these off-season acquisitions look like crap. And then you say, when you're the owner, well, now what? 
Now we're stuck with these guys. Nah, we're not stuck with them. We can fire the coach or GM anytime we want. We'll just have to pay him out. Let's consider it like a severance package. Yikes. That was always my excuse when we signed long-term deals and then fired the people or traded the player or had to eat salary of a player we had signed in order to trade him. Ah, it's like severance. Thanks for being here. That's your reward for having worked for us. Isn't that normally a month, a year that you've worked at the company? You know, maximum six months. So after six years, you get six months severance and say, thank you very much. See you later. Well, not when you've got a long-term deal of five years. Guess what? Your severance is every two weeks through the end of your contract. Yes, it was, Derek and Bruce. You know what I'm talking about. I wonder what they're going to do. What do you do when your team is performing badly on the field and then you've got distractions off the field on top of it? The Cardinals went into Mexico City with a full complement of coaches and staff and players, and they walked out of Mexico City down a man. Their offensive line coach got fired. I don't know if you read about this. I have a suggestion to people out there. It's a pretty blanket suggestion. I think it's pretty easy to follow. Don't grope women. There, that's it. How easy is that? Now, there are alternative arguments in the law that are my favorite. My client did not kill this person. But in the alternative, if my client did kill this person, it was an accident. In the alternative, if my client did kill this person, not only was it an accident, but also it was totally not intended. Didn't mean it. That's what alternatives are. So I've got a rule. It's a very simple rule. Don't grope women. But in the alternative, if you are groping a woman, don't do it in Mexico City. Of course, you should never get to the alternative because you should never be assaulting someone. You should never do unwanted touches on anyone, male or female. What are you doing? Just ask first. There's so many people who are willing to get paid to be touched. Whether you agree or disagree with what the oldest profession is in the world, why would you touch someone who doesn't want to be touched and risk going to jail or being fired or going to Mexican jail? So this guy groped someone in Mexico and they just sent him home. I'd like to believe that they sent him home because they wanted to fire him and didn't want him there. On the other hand, the discussion that went on in that front office from the ownership level on down was, hey, we better get him the hell out of Mexico. It's such an absolute nightmare when you've got staff who does things like that because it's so embarrassing, right? And you can't help it. You can't help but being angry, but you want to defend the person who you chose to work for you. You don't want to believe that that person could be capable of things because you don't want it to reflect on you and your ability to hire or identify people, either as good people or bad people, just people. So you're embarrassed, so you try to take care of it. Think about like the Chiefs with Andy Reid's son who's now in prison for drunk driving and almost killing that little girl. And now the chiefs have to pay lifetime medical expenses for that girl, and he's in jail for years. 
I don't know what the Cardinals are going to do. I actually do know what they're going to do. If they've got a full year under Murray that's bad, they're going to say, hey, bad year. Two years of bad Murray and bad Kingsbury and bad Kime, you're going to fire him. Even though you're in 2023 and they still have four years left, they're not going to survive it. They're not going to blame Kyler Murray. Wait to see. Did you see all the articles this weekend on ratings? Coke and I had a funny conversation last night and this morning about ratings and who counts what. Now we count streamers. Now we count people who were watching together, but before it had to be people who had a box in front of them and they had to click what they were watching or write down what they were watching and send it into Nielsen. Now we just see numbers and say, wow, that's amazing. There were 59 million people watching something. CBS did a whole press release about the number of people watching the Thanksgiving games. It's really quite something about our country. I'm proud to say that there were 42 million people on Thanksgiving not saying one word to their families, saying, thank God we've got an all-day distraction of stuff to watch. Let's all bond around the fact that we're all staring into a tube and not looking in each other's eyes. Let's make sure that we have something to talk about. Did you see that play? Not sure what that was, but look at that play. Is there going to be a replay? Hey, pass the stuffing. Hey, do you want to have an emotional conversation or talk about things that are of substance and meaning in our family, the dynamics and things that we're thinking and feeling? Did he just throw an interception? By the way, look what Johnny's wearing. Come watch the game. I, I don't like football. Yeah, but we're all together. We're doing it as a family. It's a family activity. That's what's going on in every household. Don't worry, you're not the only one. Don't feel weird about it. Come out of your room, Alexis. We're watching football. Well, I don't really like football. Nah, it's good. Come sit with grandpa. But every time he eats that food, when we do the artichoke dip and he talks, it comes shooting out of his mouth and then it gets on my clothes and it's gross. Mom, I don't want to do that. Just do it. How often do you get to see your grandpa? You're going to be sorry when you can't see him anymore. That's the line that every generation says to the generation behind them. You're going to be sorry. And then you're like, no. And then you're sorry. If we all could know what we were going to be like in the future, don't you think it would change what we would do in the present? Nah, it's not going to be me. Do you think that today's Jerry Jones wouldn't have told him, by the way, just keep walking. <laughs> I think he would. You think like, ah, Danny Snyder, no. He would still be what he's like. So a lot of people are watching football, setting records. People are watching soccer. And what bothers me about all these ratings announcements is they all do it in comparison to Major League Baseball. Hey, look, more people watched England-USA than every World Series game in the past three years, except for one, which was game seven, by the way, of 2019, but uh, of the World Series, but when the Nationals won the World Series, but doesn't matter. It's always like compared to baseball. I always would take, we'd be in meetings and league meetings and uh, we would get these talking points and slides of things that would be shown to us. And they would talk about where our ratings were versus other leagues, but it was it always show our ratings in a positive light to give talking points to us when there'd be negative things said about ratings. 
because the NFL always had higher ratings. So then we would be told, hey, talk about these categories. Talk about the 18 to 34 graphic uh, demographic and talk about the fact that regional baseball games are drawing more than any other sport regionally and the number of local broadcasts that win their time slot every night of the summer, you can't beat that. It's summer programming and people want it. That's one release. The other release is, hey, every football game, regular season or preseason, draws more than every World Series game. God, those used to make us crazy. But we would, we would get to ignore it because we always got better talking points. But MLB has no talking points they can do because it's off season. So we have to live with the fact that England, USA drew more. So guess what? Baseball gets together and says, don't worry. We are still national pastime. That's what we would do. We would show videos during owners meetings to make us feel better about ourselves. Like with executives around and players around, emotional videos of you know, Pujols hitting 700 and Judge getting 62, a season and review video with a graph that shows we're over 11 billion in revenue, what our growth rate is, what our streaming numbers are, everything to make us feel good. And then we walk out of the room, turn our phones back on and say, holy Christ, soccer's passing us by. What the actual hell's going on? What do we do? Ah, youth baseball. Let's do that. Let's pour money into youth baseball, get people to play. That'll reverse the trend. We may be dead by the time the trend reverses, but we're going to do it. <sighs> Nothing personal pick of the day. We went two and one. Lionel Messi is, oh no, sorry. Coca cut that. Ready? Four, eight, 69. Two and one, nothing personal pick of the day was our weekend. We had England over the USA and Wow. That was not, it was a draw. Did you watch that game? That was a tense, how I used to think before I fell in love with soccer, that zero, zero, nil, nil, God, how boring. How do you watch a game for 90 minutes with no scoring, it's absurd. By the way, it's not, it is hella exciting. And on top of that, there's no commercials during the game. If you have not watched a World Cup game yet, watch the game tomorrow against Iran. If USA wins, they're in. If they lose, they're out. This is the group stage. We're going into the final 16, the sweet 16. Two from every group. England's one. Will it be USA? Will it be Iran? Will it be Wales? We'll find out. If the USA draws, there is a chance. I thought. I guess they are done. Either way, so they have to win. All right, tomorrow against Iran. We'll get that for you by tomorrow's show, I promise. But we lost that. Saturday, I've, I must say, over the years, I have had a wait to see about Jim Harbaugh that he was gonna get fired. I have been, because I'm a Wisconsin graduate, I'm not a big fan of Michigan. I can't stand all those Wolverines who think they're the greatest at everything. And I just walk around calling timeout all the time, pretending I'm Chris Weber. But for whatever reason, Harbaugh, who said he couldn't win the big game, everyone said that. He's now won the big game two years in a row. And he was getting seven and a half points when I made the pick on Friday. The game went off at nine. He was getting nine points from Ohio State in Ohio State. They crushed him. That's a win for us. And then yesterday, were you nervous to take the points with the Raiders plus three and a half against the Seahawks? Because you've been reading how great Pete Carroll is, how the Seahawks are the surprise team of the season. And I said, don't worry, we got this one. Well, we do. We are now 135 and 116. We're definitely profiting this season. We got a pick for you right now. 
because we're going to watch World Cup during the day, but my pick is tonight because I want to talk about Jeff Saturday. When Jeff Saturday plays on a Monday, 4-8-69. When Jeff Saturday coaches on a Monday night, how do you not take him? Yes, you remember Saturday, the guy who's never coached above high school. He's coaching the Colts, and they're playing the great Pittsburgh Steelers who stink, and the Colts are not even favored by a field goal. Colts two and a half over the Steelers. You think Mike Tomlin's going to outcoach Jeff Saturday, causing the Steelers to win? Nope, we're taking the Colts. Coco, we didn't even get into Lionel Messi going to Inter-Miami and Ronaldo going to Saudi Arabia. We'll have time tomorrow, maybe. Wait to see. Thanks for being with us today, Monday. It's the 28th. Our word of the day was curious. This is just business. You've been listening to Nothing Personal. 